stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Saturday evening. Boy, it is hot. Thanks for joining us. 5.06 the time. My name is Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. And we are live in the KFBK studio here for the next couple of hours. We go off the air at about 7 o'clock. And uh, you're free to join us to discuss the big topics of this past week. And uh, we'll take a look at some of those items. And we'll dig in deeper. We'll probably hear some perspectives that you did not hear on your local newscast or the national newscast to more fully report on what took place. Give you a big picture a well-rounded, objective, both sides picture that you don't necessarily always get. Uh, it, it, this was an incredible week. I have to tell you, I was putting the stack together for the show here, and I thought to myself, I'm not sure we're going to get through all this stuff. I don't know if we're going to get through it all today because it's just been an unbelievable week dating back to Monday all the way through Friday. Uh, it's just been a one event after another. Of course, you had uh, the president to, at, at the NATO summit, and that was an incredible meeting. We're going to get to some audio clips on that in just a moment. Uh, you've got a local mayor from Stockton who wants to hand out $500 per month to 100 residents. And we're going to hear from uh, one of the leading economic minds of the past century who schools him on free market and capitalism. And it's really remarkable to hear both sides of this argument and whether or not it's a good idea to hand people free money. Uh, you have a, an incredible story that took place on Monday, rescinding the law that allows illegal immigrants to have driver's license in California is now one step closer. We're going to hear the man behind it and his emotional story, why he is pushing for it. And, uh, of course, the Peter Strzok hearings in Capitol Hill. I mean, my goodness, was that not chaos exemplified? That was just crazy. So we're going to try to get to a lot of that and uh, much more. And take your phone calls. Uh, The phone number here, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. We're going to lead... The show today with President Donald Trump at NATO. And let me get you caught up, first of all, on the latest developments from out of Norway. Uh, this taking place in a meeting that uh, took place today. Norway is recommitting itself now to lifting its defense spending to meet NATO targets. This all happened during talks Saturday with Trump's defense secretary. This is a direct quote. Norway is committed to the 2% goal in NATO. According to the Norwegian defense minister, he told this to reporters in a prepared statement he is standing alongside U.S. Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. So President Trump goes over to NATO and sits down at the summit and says, look, you got to pay more. We have been paying way too much, unfairly, for way too long in the United States, and it's time for the NATO countries to step up. And the news out of Reuters today, out of Oslo, Norway, is that Norway will indeed hit that 2% goal uh, by early 2024, Whether they make it or not, we don't know. We have heard many promises on this front, which have not been, of course, met. But that said, maybe what President Trump did at the NATO conference will have the results that he is hoping for. This is a guy who campaigned when he was on the campaign trail as a candidate, Trump, said repeatedly at one stump speech after another, look, the United States of America is paying way too much into NATO. And I'm going to do something about it. And he is. Here are the numbers just out of Norway alone. They're an oil-rich nation. They spend about 1.6% of their gross domestic product, way below NATO's 2% target by 2024. And, of course, then Trump had the rebuke. He said, look, it was the only NATO ally sharing border with Russia that lacked what he called a credible plan to spend 2% of the GDP on defense. You see, Norway 
has an extensive border that they share with Russia, a 122-mile border with Russia. And the United States Defense Department depends heavily upon Norway for information on Russia. And that's why this is so significant. Okay, let's roll up these audio clips. So President Trump sits down with a number of leaders from other countries, including Germany, and they're having a photo op. And we've all seen the photo ops. They let the cameras in, then the cameras roll, and you hear the shutters in the background from the still cameras. But there's a rule in photo ops that the political leaders don't talk to each other and reporters don't ask questions. Guess who broke the rule? President Trump. And he went off for about between 15 and 20 minutes in this what was supposed to be a photo op and turned into a lecture. And I, in all of my years, have never seen anything like this. I don't recall one president ever doing this. So let's just roll it up and these things speak for themselves. President Trump at the NATO breakfast, he talks of how U.S. taxpayers have been paying unfairly, an unfair share of the NATO bills. Many countries are not paying what they should. And frankly, many countries uh, owe us a tremendous amount of money for many years back where they're delinquent, as far as I'm concerned, because the United States has had to pay for them. So if you go back 10 or 20 years, you'll just add it all up. It's massive amounts of money is owed. Uh, the United States has paid and stepped up like nobody. This has gone on for decades, by the way. This has gone on for many presidents, but no other president brought it up like I bring it up. And that was his broader point, and he didn't stop there with that point. Other presidents have brought it up. But the mantra we're hearing from President Trump is, I'm doing something about this. The other folks, they talked about it. Trump says he's the first president in decades to actually address this problem, which he believes is widely known. Commitments have been made for over $40 billion more money spent by other countries. So that's a step, but it's a very small step. It sounds like a lot of money, and it is. But it's a very small amount of money relative what, to what they owe and to what they should be paying. And it's an unfair burden on the United States. Now, remember, this was a photo op. This wasn't a press conference. At least it wasn't designed to be. And nobody saw this coming, not the leaders in the room. If you saw that table, it was remarkable. You saw political leaders. They didn't know what to do. They were shifting in their chairs. They were looking awkwardly down. They didn't know how to behave or react. This didn't happen to them ever before. This isn't how quote-unquote diplomats act. They don't speak frankly. They don't talk directly. Not when the cameras are rolling, maybe behind closed doors. And it didn't just stop there. Then he went after Germany. And boy, did he go after him. He criticized Germany. You see, they struck a deal, Germany did, to get gas and oil from Russia. And President Trump's point is, look, you're getting gas and oil from Russia. We're paying all this money into NATO to protect you from Russia. But now you're dependent on Russia for your energy supply, and that's enormously dangerous. And why should we stand for that? Well, I have to say, I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. 
and then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia, and I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we've like, been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia. When you hear that backstory, the former chancellor of Germany is now in control of, or one of the top executives of the pipeline, that brings that gas and that oil from Russia into Germany. How dirty does that sound? You know, when you start hearing these backstories that we don't all hear when we tune in the nightly news, then things start to make a little bit more sense. Oh, I see where the dollars are flowing here. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, my friends. We'll get to one more audio clip and then we have to get to the break. But uh, I do want to get to this because he did not just only attack Germany. He did, in particular, go after Germany. But he went after a number of NATO countries. He expanded on how the U.S. taxpayers have been paying more than their fair share for decades, not just over the last few years, for decades to protect European countries. We're going to have to do something because we're not going to put up with it. We can't put up with it, and it's inappropriate. So we have to talk about the billions and billions of dollars that's being paid to the country that we're supposed to be protecting you against. You know, everybody's, everybody's talking about it all over the world. They'll say, well, wait a minute, we're supposed to be protecting you from Russia, but why are you paying billions of dollars to Russia for energy? Why are countries in NATO, namely Germany, having a large percentage of their energy needs paid, you know, to Russia and, and taken care of by Russia? Speaking of Russia, Monday, big meeting. Putin and Trump in Helsinki. Wonder what that's going to be like. Oh, I mean, given the fireworks we saw in NATO. And guess what Steve Bannon has to say. Remember Steve Bannon? Guess what he has to say about Vladimir Putin and what Putin might be thinking of Trump these days. We're going to have that on the other side of the break. The phone number here, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. What did you think of what Trump said to his NATO allies during the meeting? Was it well-founded, or does it put us in jeopardy? Give us a call, 517. My name's Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. Back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. Phone number here, 916-921-1530, Going to get to the phones in just a second, but one more audio clip to play from President Trump meeting with NATO leaders this past week, raising eyebrows across the globe. Trump said that the U.S. will not tolerate the current situation as it stands with NATO, and he said that big changes must be made. We're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting everybody, and yet we're paying a lot of money to protect. Now, this has been going on for decades. This has been brought up by other presidents, but other presidents never did anything about it. 
because I don't think they understood it or they just didn't want to get involved. But I have to bring it up because I think it's very unfair to our country. It's very unfair to our taxpayer. And I think that these countries have to step it up, not over a 10-year period. They have to step it up immediately. Germany is a rich country. They talk about they're going to increase it a tiny bit by 2030. Well, they could increase it immediately tomorrow and have no problem. I don't think it's fair to the United States. Roberta from Garden Valley joins us on the phone on a hot Saturday evening. Hi, Roberta. What did you think about what the president did and said? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Uh, why should we be paying for your freight? Yeah, yeah. You know, and he said that as a candidate when he was running for office. And he says that other presidents have promised to do the same thing, but none of them have stepped up, and he is. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, positively. Yeah. So you like the way that it goes, and there are those who will tell you from a diplomatic standpoint he may be doing a lot of danger in terms of our relationship with those countries that have traditionally been our allies. Are you at all concerned that he's driving a wedge? Absolutely not. And if he needs me, I have my sword and shield there by his side. All right, Roberta, thanks very much for the phone call from Garden Valley, who supports what the president campaigned on and is now doing and delivering as president of the United States. He meets with Vladimir Putin in Helsinki on Monday. And ABC News was reporting at the top of the hour right here on KFBK that he's going to wing it. Has he ever really not? I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe there have been some meetings that have been scripted. And even in his scripted speeches, every once in a while, he'll go off text. He'll go off the teleprompter. I know that I'm sure that for his advisors and his aides, that is a very nervous moment. But it is who the man is. And it may very well be why he is in the office that he now holds. But in terms of this meeting with Vladimir Putin, and what does Putin now think of Donald Trump as president of the United States? How does he view him now? Remember Steve Bannon, no longer in the White House, was there, was a pretty prominent player for a while. He is abrasive, no question about it. But there are those to say that one of the things that Trump always liked about Bannon was that he spoke his mind. There's no question how he felt. Former White House Chief of Staff Steve Bannon says Vladimir Putin is definitely paying attention to President Trump. I think if you're Putin, you're sitting there going, hey, this guy is the leader of the West. He's laying out very methodically what it takes for the defense of the West, that they have to have an alliance that works. They have to have an alliance that works militarily. They can't be any more games. You know, if President Trump's got a great saying, no more games. And today he said, no more games. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay for it. And by the way, you can't, if you're beholden to Russia, you're strategically going to put the entire alliance in jeopardy. What do you think about what President Trump said at the NATO meetings? Does it make the United States stronger? Is our foreign affairs policy better? Does it make the U.S. stronger? Or is he doing severe, deep damage to the relationships that we have had for decades with what has been traditionally our allies. Phone number 916-921-1530-1800-834-1530. Are we going in the right direction? Or is this kind of talk putting us in jeopardy of becoming isolationists? Putting us out on an island? There are those who suggest 
that what Donald Trump is doing is removing the United States from the world stage rather than engaging the world. Bannon had other thoughts, as Bannon is known to have, and this turns to politics. Bannon says that he believes, as the 2018 midterm elections draw near, that Democrats are now running away from the talk of impeachment for a reason. This is going to be a referendum on President Trump. I keep saying this is his first reelect, and it should be. Um, they're running away from saying impeachment now because they understand impeachment galvanizes the deplorables. It galvanizes the base. He's not the first to say that. Steve Bannon, a Republican, a very conservative Republican, reflects the, the notion that we heard from, and I keep bringing this up because people know this guy in Northern California, Willie Brown. And Willie Brown said this eight weeks ago, and we had it on this show. And it bears repeating, and Nancy Pelosi has now picked up on the mantra. Willie Brown said eight weeks ago, we as the Democratic Party have got to get away from this. We've got to stop talking impeachment. We've got to stop hammering the Trump administration. And we've got to stop whining. We have to give voters a reason to vote for us. We have to give them optimism. And all of a sudden, we're hearing less and less and less from the political leadership about impeachment. Hmm. Uh, listen, we got time for a, a quick phone call before we go to the break. I want to get to Mike in Auburn. Uh, Mike, how are you on this uh, Saturday, hot Saturday evening, and what are your thoughts about the, the well, NATO meetings? Well, yeah, dandy, thank you. Um, I don't like your question. Um, it's I don't know if the right words, it's the wrong paradigm or something. When we ask, do we... Uh, are we putting a wedge between us and our NATO uh, allies? Right, but you I, realize I you realize you were, there is that thought out there. Yeah, well, let me put it put it this way: What if we all went to dinner with our friends, and we kept ponying up seventy percent of the dinner ta uh, bill? Every time we go out to dinner, we pay seventy percent of the bill. Who's putting the wedge in there? Right, us by not paying seventy percent, or the, your so-called friends for not putting up. Yeah, it's a small amount. But, more. Mike, when your so, friends are dependent on you picking up most of the tab and then you pull that away from them, they're going to be a little bit unsettled, right? Uh, they're not dependent. I guess that's how you say, are they dependent on us? In case in point, he talked about Germany being very wealthy. They are very good. They've actually beat our GDP over the last decade. Um, so I would say it's the other way around Yeah, in some respects. Well, look, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but he is, uh, he, he's upsetting the apple cart in that these are countries that have been used to getting this kind of money from the United States. I agree on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Mike, hey, listen, thanks a lot. Stay cool out there. I appreciate the call from Auburn. It's uh, coming up on the 530. We've got to hit a break here. This is uh, KFBK. My name is Sam Shane. The phone number 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. More from Steve Bannon on the other side. We're back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. It is burning up there. 5.35 the time. My name is Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. We are live here 5 to 7 Saturday evenings. Looking back at the day's big events, the week's big events, and we take a look ahead what's coming up in the next week. Uh, the phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. I will not be here next Saturday. Uh, next Saturday and Sunday, by the way, I'll be at the California State Fair at the California Authors Section. I'll be uh, signing my children's books. I've written a couple of children's books, and I'll be there. 
uh, next weekend if you want to swing by. A lot of great local California authors at the California Authors section, and they've written some wonderful stuff if you want to take a swing by at the State Fair. Uh, listen, I want to get to the phones. We've got a couple of calls coming in, but before we do, I do want to play this last soundbite from Steve Bannon and get that segment cleaned up. Uh, Steve Bannon, in his interview, went on to say that he believes that Donald Trump is now on track to become an historical president. If you're an establishment Republican, okay, and you see what President Trump represents with tax cuts, where the economy's going, right, with national security, all the leadership he's shown, and he is re- reforming the federal judiciary. It's one of the reasons they're having a meltdown right now. Because the left understands that Donald Trump is a historic president, and he's going to be in their lives for 30 or 40 Trans- years. Remarkable. Steve Bannon, once again, we want to get to the phones. There's Bill from Walnut Grove joining us on this Saturday evening. Hi, Bill. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, Sam, good to talk to you. Thank you. You I too. Was in, I was recently in Switzerland on my way to Italy for a wedding where I was supposed to officiate as the best man when suddenly I felt ill and wound up in the hospital in Switzerland for right. six days. Okay. And one of the things I had to do every day was go down to this lab and get blood tests. And after about the second day, this character that is obviously a Swiss person, and he was in there too, he figured out that I was from America. And suddenly he just let off on me about Donald Trump being uh, a loudmouth, uh, you know, what all. And he says, why is it everything for America first, America first? And he just kept going after me. Yeah. And then he went on about the uh, deficit. And he says, that's ridiculous, the deficit. And I, finally I said, well, hang on, man. I said, Let me tell you something about the deficit. <clears throat> the deficit is it's very expensive for the United States to defend Finland, Norway, Ireland, right. England, France, Germany, right. Switzerland. Did you tell did, did you tell your Swiss friend that one of the reasons why we have a deficit is that we are contributing more to NATO than anybody else? Yeah, I told him I said we're defending you guys. I said especially you, you Swiss jackasses who have, hasn't spent a dime on a, on a bullet. The only thing you can guard is the Pope. And I'm telling you something: you are a ridiculous person to All think right. that America should be. Going after and saving everybody else in the world, well, and not looking after our own interests first. Well, Bill, I, I understand your passion. I get that very much. Um, I, it doesn't sound like this was a real diplomatic conversation necessarily, but uh, listen, I appreciate the call, and um, I think that there are probably Americans out there that that have the same viewpoint as you do. Thanks very much, Joan in Lincoln. Joins us on a Saturday evening. Hi, Joan. How are you? I'm just fine. Um, I'm not a political person per se. But I will say I am backing up Donald Trump 500 percent. He is using good old fashioned common sense and business smarts in regards to NATO illegal immigration and our so-called trade wars. Uh, He is tired. And I think a lot of us taxpayers are also tired of the unfairness that the rest of the world has been taking advantage of us for. And we, we, we should blame ourselves because we have living presidents who are walking around now who should be hanging their heads in shame for allowing all this stupid nonsense to go on on our tax dollars, all 
Donald Trump wants is fairness. He's asking for fairness. I don't think he's trying to isolate us at all. He's got too much business smarts to do that. He wants fairness with the rest of the world. Joan, they have been t- do you? I'm, I'm, I just have a question. You talked about the, the presidents who are walking around now. So you don't necessarily blame one party or the other. You think that this is decades of either neglect or... Uh, I don't know what the proper uh, description would be as to how we got ourselves into this mess, but you blame not one party but both? I certainly do. All these politicians, I don't know what happens when they get into Washington, D.C. There's an evil air in Washington, D.C., and once they get there, they all join together. You believe in the swamp? Yes, I do. We've got to drain that swamp on both parties. They're both not innocent for what they're doing to this country. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump, he's the only leader who's come along. I can't believe it. The guy has so much backbone, yeah. and there is so many people opposing him, and he's still out there standing up to all these evildoers. Well, Joan, I'll say this. Look, the, 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 the guy is, he's doing what he said he was going to do. And um, I've, I've been through a lot of administrations, seen a lot of presidents come and go, and I have never seen one who has backed up the promises like this guy. He He's doing what he said he would do. Whether or not you like that or agree with that, this is a man of action. This is a man who's stepping up, and he's not taking a whole lot of time. I mean, in a year and a half, these are the, some of the things that he's accomplished. When you take a look back at that record, I said during the the, the last election cycle, one of the one of the dynamics, and, and 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 I and I and I actually answered a question. I was I was being interviewed on on the local PBS station here in Sacramento, and they asked me about what I thought about the election. And here was my thought at the time: two or three, two of the three candidates that were left standing, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, two of the three were considered to be outsiders by the American people. Correct. So, okay, so what does that tell you? That tells you that Americans are fed up with the establishment. It's not necessarily a party issue. So what you said, Joan, is right on track. I want to thank you for the phone call. I've got others to get to, but I, Joan, I think Joan was right on track in that, that there's, a, there's a more widespread disenchantment with the establishment in America than I think most of us really fully understand, and it's beginning to manifest itself in a lot of ways in the candidacy of Bernie Sanders, in the candidacy and now the presidency of Donald Trump. Uh, we got to get to uh, Pete in Sacramento, who uh, joins us on the phone. And uh, Pete, what are your thoughts on this uh, Saturday evening, the hot one it is? Well, your, your previous caller really hit it right on the head, and your follow-up to what she was saying is just absolutely 100%. Um, so I just wanted to talk about um, this Steve Bannon individual. Right. That that if he, if he wants to continue it, to have his meltdown, um, that's fine with me. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't impact me. I don't think he's relevant. And I don't I don't hear any of his sound bites that much. I don't really know a whole lot about this individual, but he can continue to have his meltdown. It's irrelevant. And same so with, you think Bannon, um, Bannon's having a meltdown? Well, I think that's what he said on your on your. No, 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 no. He, no, he said the Democrats are having a meltdown. Uh, they are. They are having a meltdown. Oh, that's what Absolutely. he that's that's what he said. He said that's why they are having a meltdown because that's Donald Trump yeah. because President Trump is accomplishing all of these things that he said right. he would do. That's why they're having a meltdown because they don't know how to respond. Okay, and, and that's correct. They don't know how to respond, and they don't know how to 
um, just take the high road and said, okay, um, let's, let's create some policies here that might um, challenge what Donald Trump is doing. They're not doing that. They're mm-hmm. just um, really, really taking the low road and just using some really bad tactics to um, – well, they're trying, a, Pete. They're trying a to find. Attempt. Yeah, they're but they're trying. They're trying to figure out something, and they they just they, they at this point haven't really come up with an answer yet. And it's something new every week. It's something right, new every right, week. That's right. what's sickening. That's what's right. that's what's well, just laughable. That that that's an indication of a party that's in trouble trying to find itself. Uh, pretty simple. exactly, Pete. Exactly. Thanks. Good call. I appreciate it. Many good points there. Let's go to David. Uh, he's joining us on the phone on a Saturday. Hi, David. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Sir? I'm doing well. What are your thoughts tonight? Well, unfortunately, I happen to work for a government agency here within the lovely state of California. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, I realize working for them as long as I have is if it takes effort on anybody's part, nothing gets done. And when you look at all the stuff with all the presidents over the years, you look at Congress, all this stuff takes effort. Somebody has to make a choice. Somebody has to make a decision. Somebody has to guide somewhere. But nobody's willing to step up and take that choice. So I, I deal with it on a daily basis. So, so it's frustrating. David, do you think it's a product of just simple laziness, or is it a lack of leadership? Both. Okay. Yeah, absolutely both. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with you. And I think it's, it's, it's worth noting that uh, Donald Trump comes from the private sector. And... When you work in the private sector, either you get the deal done or you don't. Or you're fired. You're, you're out of a job. <laughs> you're, or you lose the client, or you lose the deal, or you lose the job. Uh, there, there, there is no, quote, safety net. And now that whole, I, that whole line of thinking has been brought into the Oval Office. And people in Washington, and you know this probably, David, better than I do, because you've worked in it more, more, way more than I have. I never have worked in that environment. But as an outsider, as a taxpayer looking in, uh, that's not how they operate in Washington, D.C. There's always a safety net for everybody. Yeah, there's always, well, it's interesting, and this is the thing that I have frustration with, is there's always a bailout. And the problem is, it seems like we just have money that we can just give to everybody, not realizing that that's our money that we're giving to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's hilarious. It all goes back to common sense. I mean, these people that are making these decisions... I just shake my head. I mean, the, the city I happen to be working for is going to be a million dollars short on our retirement within five years. Oh, I think and, I know which city that is. Well, and they they brought it up. Yep. And it's one of those things where, well, and, in five years, that's, let's get something hammered out. And nothing well, happens. David, nothing happens. David uh, I'm here to tell you something else. You're not alone. It's going to be cities. <laughs> it's going to be cities up and down this state, man. It's going to, it's going to get ugly because they got pension yeah. problems up to their earlobes. Hey, listen, yeah. um, Really appreciate the call. Great point. Uh, we do have to take a break, but you know what David just mentioned transitions greatly into our next segment. The city of Stockton, he talked about handing out money. How about this one? Handing out 500 bucks a month to 100 residents in Stockton, California, handing out free money. What the mayor says and what one of the living, le- not a living legend, one of the legends in economics, how he schools the mayor of Stockton, about this notion when we come back. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Phone number here is 
1530. My name is Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. We are here live for almost another hour here. You can join us on the phone going over some of the big events of this past week. This one is a pretty remarkable story. 100 residents of Stockton, California will be selected to participate in a program funded by Facebook co-founder Chris Hughes. This fall, Stockton, California will become the first city in the nation to roll out a $500 a month universal basic income experiment. That's what they're calling it. This is a direct quote from Chris Hughes, one of the co-founders of Facebook. It is such a fundamental idea behind America that if you work hard, you can get ahead, and you certainly don't live in poverty. But that is not true today, and it hasn't been true in the country for decades. I believe that unless we make significant changes today, the income inequality in our country will continue to grow and call into question the very nature of our social contract. There's no question there's income inequality, and there's no question in this country that the rich are getting richer. The rich, like Chris Hughes, are getting richer. And the middle class are getting squeezed. It's harder to pay the bills. And so Mr. Hughes is among those who thinks the answer is to hand out free money. That's the answer. Also behind this is the mayor of Stockton. Michael Tubbs, young man, 27 years old. Very likable guy. He's got his heart in the right place. But the, the young man clearly lacks experience. And as you're going to hear through the next couple of segments, doesn't understand the basic concepts of the free market system and economics and how it's worked and why capitalism has built such enormous wealth in the United States of America as opposed to countries that adopted communism and socialism that don't provide incentive. He is the youngest mayor, Michael Tubbs, in America in those cities that have more than 100,000 people. So he's been making the rounds on national television, touting the program to hand out free money. He's appeared on Bill Maher's show. He's appeared on the CBS This Morning show in both cases, both the Maher show and on the CBS Morning show. He was hardly even challenged about the idea of handing out free money to people. So here he is. By the way, Bill Maher can run circles around this guy, okay? Bill Maher could tangle him up intellectually so fast, it's not even funny. And Bill Maher didn't even come close to challenging him. Gave him a complete pass. So here he is on the CBS Morning Show, an appearance in February. Um, the idea is that, especially in California, one in two Californians can't afford one $400 emergency um, people are working for harder and harder, only to fall further and further behind. Um, so a group called the Economic Security Project was looking for a city to pilot with philanthropic funding, no taxpayer dollars. And given the challenges of Stockton, but also given the resilience and the brilliance of the bar residents, I thought it would be a good fit for us. So the director of the Stockton Economic Empowerment uh, Demonstration, this is a direct quote from her. Guess what? Free money is really popular. My email box is inundated daily with residents from the community wanting to know, what's the sign-up process? Has it already started? Am I already too late? What do I have to do? Oh, yeah. They like that free money. That's a good thing. 
What are your thoughts? Is this a good idea? Is this how we get out of poverty? Hand out 500 bucks a month to residents who might be struggling? Now, here's the one that really, this was a shake-my-head moment as I was stacking the show. The toughest question that Tubbs got from any of the three hosts on the CBS Morning Show was, will there be any penalties if the money is misused? Here's his answer. Is it a penalty if you don't do it right? And you no, it's $500, no strings attached to the idea to have a conversation about kind of the economic system of this country, but also highlight stories of what something as small as $500 could do, whether it's the difference between a mother who's able to now pay for child care and be, get back in the workforce, or an entrepreneur who's able to work on their startup ideas, or artists, just really highlighting the stories and putting a new face to um, the conversation around poverty in the country. Not one of those three hosts on that show, not one of them, even question that answer, that there will be no penalty if someone misuses the money. So they're sitting there on live TV on this morning show in New York, and you hear, here you have this young 27-year-old mayor saying, we're going to hand out a bunch of free money to people, and if they misuse it, there's not going to be anything. They can do that. No penalty. And that one of those hosts sits back and says, wait one second. I mean, just put yourself in their position. Let's say you're sitting at that table, and I have been in that position, by the way. And I have been in that position when somebody has given me an answer like that, and I, I back away from all the questions that are already scribbled out for you on a piece of paper, and instead of following those, a good interviewer will say, oh, hold on a moment here. Um, you misuse 500 bucks a month and nothing's going to happen to you, and that's okay? Don't you foresee any problems with that, Mr. Mayor? They just give them a pass. They go on to the next scripted question. And they start talking about, guess what? Immigration. We have to take a quick break. We are going to hear from Milton Friedman on the other side of this, talking about the free market system and capitalism and why it works and why this plan in Stockton is such a horrible idea. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. I'm Sam Shane. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Thanks for joining us. Time now is uh, 6.06 on a hot Saturday evening. My name is Sam Shane, and this is Weekend Live on KFBK. We do this every Saturday evening from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock. We do it live from the KFBK studios. Take a look back at the week's biggest events and look forward to what's coming up this week. And we're going to get to a number of pretty good issues coming up here, including the Peter Strzok hearing, which was absolute chaos this past week, and more on that debacle uh, coming up. Uh, But before we do, we want to pick up where we left off on the idea in Stockton, California, being pushed by the young mayor, Michael Tubbs, who's 27 years old, to hand over every single month $500 to 100 different residents so that they can make ends meet. And we're going to hear from Milton Friedman in just a moment. And if you've not heard of this man or heard any of his, his speeches or his interviews, uh, he was truly remarkable. He's no longer with us. But he was a strong proponent of capitalism and free markets. Uh, we'll get to more on Milt Friedman in a moment, but first let's get to Michelle. She joins us from Citrus Heights on this Saturday evening. Hi, Michelle. What are your thoughts? Hi, Sam. Thanks for taking my call, first of all. Second of all, this subject just burns me. My mother raised eight kids alone, 
There were no social programs. She didn't get any money from anybody. I saw her walk to work every single day. Each one of us kids, all eight of us, we've all been successful in life because we saw good work ethics. This handing out money is just, it's going to make things worse. We've got a lazy society. People don't want to get off their butts anymore and earn a living. They want everything for free. And somebody's paying that. Somebody, my tax dollars, are paying that. This might be funded by private right now, but how? When? Where does it then start becoming government? Well, there is it the. Well, uh, listen, Michelle. There, the creep factor is certainly uh, in danger here. In that, you know, that could happen. It could become a government program. But uh, what what Chris Hughes would argue is, and this is the co-founder of Facebook, who's worth tens of millions of dollars, and he's helping to fund this, is that. You know, as opposed to when, say, your mom was doing what she was doing, uh, it's much harder today to make ends meet, that there are not good-paying jobs on the low or middle end of the spectrum anymore, that those good-paying jobs are all on the high end of the spectrum, that the, that the economic disparity has spread because the formula is different. I mean, what do you say to that? Sam, all I know is when, when I was young, I'm 60, we were poor. There were no colored TVs in my house. There was never a phone. Half the time, there wasn't electricity. We didn't have people rolling around on 20s, free cell phones, big screen TVs in every home. People don't know what it's like to be poor these days. They have no idea what it's like to be poor. My mother, when she had me, was 40 years old. When my mother passed away, was the first time I realized what she started making when my dad left when I was two. She made it. And at one point, my oldest son asked my mother, Grandma, why didn't you ever ask for help from the government? She said, Honey, because I had my pride. We don't have pride in this country anymore. We have lazy people who don't want to work. We have no longer our young people. They don't have pride. They don't care. Um, I, it just amazes me how everybody thinks that they're entitled to something for nothing. Michelle, I've been married for 41 years to my husband. We've never had a handout from anybody. We've raised three kids. My husband is still a hard worker. I just don't get it. It just, it just burns me to the core. I, I will tell you this. Uh, my, I agree with what you're saying about we don't know what it's like to be poor. But, because my father, uh, who has since passed away, uh, grew up in the Depression. And he told me stories that were just unbelievable about poverty and, and people who were, I mean, dirt poor. And that, that was at the height of the Depression. It was after, you know, the World War II era. Um, the sacrifices that were made by that generation are mind-boggling when you, when you make comparisons to this one. And, and I, look, I, I really do appreciate your call, Michelle, and I, I think you make a, a great point. Um, again, and it bears repeating just what Michelle said, we do not know what it's like to be poor as a country because this country has been poor. And we certainly are not that right now. That said, I want I want to transition into Milton Friedman here before we get to the break, and I've got a I've got a couple of really incredible sound clips from him. And we'll get to one, and we'll get to one after the break. But this guy, if there's somebody in your life who does not understand what free markets are, does not understand the principle and the concepts of capitalism, you need to sit them down in front of a computer and you Google Milton Friedman. And particularly, he did an interview with Phil Donahue in 1979. And I think the whole interview, I don't know how long it runs. Watch the whole thing. It is one of the greatest tutorials I have I think it's the greatest tutorial I have ever heard about free market systems and capitalism. 
and how he puts it so succinctly, and it makes so much sense, that throughout the entire show, Bill Donahue could say nothing. That was remarkable if you ever watched Phil Donahue. Milton Friedman, in an f- interview with Phil Donahue, 1979, explained why such a program being developed in Stockton is such a bad idea and why this program will not work. Friedman was a strong proponent of capitalism and the free market system. Here's what Friedman said when Donahue asked him if Friedman had ever had any doubts that the free market system is the most efficient and best economic model known to man. When you see the greed and the concentration of power within, don't, aren't you ever, did you ever have a moment of doubt about capitalism and whether greed's a good idea to run on? Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow who's greedy. <laughs> this, the world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilization have not come from government bureaus. Einstein didn't construct his theory under order from a, from a, a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. In the only cases in which the masses have escaped from the kind of grinding poverty you're talking about, the only cases in recorded history are where they they have had capitalism and largely free trade. You have to watch more of this. It is that good. That was just one clip. I, I sat at home, I was mesmerized watching this. I'd seen it before. I mean, I probably have watched that thing two or three times, at least. The world runs on individuals pursuing their self-interests. Whether it's the Soviet Union or China, capitalism, communism, socialism, it all gets back to individuals who are pursuing self-interests. That's who we are. That's what we are. He talked about greed. What is greed? And are you suggesting that the Russians or those in China aren't greedy? We're all human beings. Isn't that human nature? And isn't that why capitalism actually works? The free market system works. You have incentive to produce a better product at a better price than your competitor. And let the best person win. Let's go to a David. He's in Citrus Heights. And he joins us on this Saturday evening. David, what are your thoughts about what uh, this plan in Stockton? It's absolutely Good idea. Woefully underfunded. <clears throat> it's a good. It's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. It's a good idea to hand out free money. Absolutely, and probably the only solution we have. So, are you getting? Um, are you getting free money right now? Uh, well, yeah, actually, I am. Oh, I see. And how? And what, what? What's that? And what, huh? what, and what form? Who's giving? Um, who's giving we, you free money? SSI. I'm I'm old. I'm 60 years old. So it's Social Security. So that's not free money. Did you pay into the Social Security system? Oh, I have for decades. You know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's not free money. You you paid into that. That's yours. No, I'll draw far more than I put in. In which case, then I'll have some free. But it doesn't matter about my personal case. It's well, but it does because that speaks no. to who you are. No, uh, it's a bigger issue. You're asking about giving away money to the public. I'm here to tell you it's a good idea. 
Yeah, no, I heard that, but I I'll, haven't heard I'll why. You. Because people, you, look, if I, if you give me 500 bucks a month, free, right. and if you, as opposed to I, you have to go and work for the 500 a month, right? Now, right. Two, two different scenarios there. Why in the world would I ever want to work? I'm, I'm, I'm getting the free money. Why? And, and more importantly, you're going to have to ask yourself, where would I work? Well, no, why would I want to work if I get the money for free and you have to work for it? Why would I want to? There's no incentive. Milton Freeman, let me explain this. Uh, Milton Freeman has more in common talking to a medicine man in his horse-drawn wagon of the 1800s than he would have in common with a young man looking at his smartphone. Milton Freeman never held a cell phone. Milton Freeman never watched uh, streaming live. So if you, the world, so you, the you world to understand changed. the basic principles of economics, you need to know how to use a cell phone. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Oh. I'm saying that this culture has changed underneath your feet. But the basic economics have not, David. They're the same. doesn't matter what the tools are out there. They have. They no. have changed. That's what no. you don't understand. I do understand. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you. Don't interrupt me. I, I give this speech quite a bit. Okay. Okay, but it's not making sense. I, I it will if I if you let me explain it. Well, I don't know how. I don't have three hours, David. I mean, you got to get to the point. I'll make it really quick. Okay. Okay. The public at large is livestock. They have no marketable skills. The few jobs they had for marketable skills, such as laying concrete, this is. Uh, uh, you're saying that the public murders. at large is livestock and have no marketable skills. That's right. that's a that's rather depressing. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, and, and I don't think, it, and, and I, and I, and I think it's factually wrong. In addition to being really a downer. Well, it's true. Well, no, you it's not. No, it's not, David. That's not true yeah, at all. It no, it's not. You have no facts to back that up. You're just making an. You're just giving your opinion that you think people are dumb and lazy, and that's just not true. Well, you're telling me that they'll take five hundred dollars. They will because that's human they nature. Want. They will. And that's you, that doesn't mean that they're dumb and lazy. And you're not telling me that they're not dumb and lazy. I am not saying that. I am, David, you're you're miss, missing the point. You're totally missing the point. What I'm suggesting to you is I've made if the you point. if you offer people five hundred dollars for free, they're more inclined to take it and not work than those who have to work for it. That's just human nature. That doesn't and mean they you're will dumb. Become livestock. No, they won't. Yes, they will. Okay. You know what livestock is? All right, David, I know what livestock is. Thanks very much for the call. Wow. Do you think if, if David and I talked from now until 7 o'clock that anything would get accomplished? Nothing. Do you, you think that that's a guy who would go and take a look and read Milton Friedman and watch him and listen to him and listen to his fact-based logic would open his mind to that? You think David would open his mind to that? When he's calling all of us livestock. <laughs> all right. Uh, listen, we got more from Milton Friedman on the other side of the break. Time now is a 619. What do you think about this idea to give away free money in the city of Stockton? Is that going to help poverty in Stockton? Or is that going to make it worse? 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. By the way, there's also a program out there, I'm not making this up, to pay people not to murder someone. I'm not joking. That's where we are, folks. We're paying people 
not it's a program to not kill others. All right, it's uh, coming up on 620. we got to take a quick break. I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK. KFBK Weekend Live News and Analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. More from Milt Freeman in a minute. 40 years ago in an interview, he essentially told Phil Donahue, what they're about to do in Stockton is a really bad idea. We'll hear from Milton Friedman, one of the great minds of all time on the economy in just a moment. Let's go to Daniel. He lives in Stockton. So there you are in your city where they're about to hand out $500 a month to 100 different people. What do you think? You know, I think it's a terrible idea. Uh, living here, I, I, I feel that, uh, you know, a lot of people that are uh, in an impoverished state uh, in this city particularly uh, live with a, you know, in a ghetto mentality. Um, and I think when you have an increase and you have that type of mentality, uh, you spend the money and you blow the money. You see it as bonus money. So uh, you don't get caught up on the bills. You don't start saving it. You, you don't put it away. So Daniel, I think that if you, I just, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to float this idea just to get your opinion of it. What if your young mayor, a 27 year old, Michael Tubbs, instead of just handing out free money, uh, that's being donated by the way, we should say it's not taxpayer money. But instead of doing that, he created incentives to attract businesses, like really lowering the tax rate, okay? I mean, and offering up free land and attracting good-paying jobs, maybe to build the stuff that they're making in Silicon Valley. And now, all of a sudden, you have an economic base that starts to take off and generate new income. What do you think of that idea? That would be awesome. We just don't have that kind of leadership because the, uh, the, the, no one here turns out to vote. Uh, and the people that do vote, um, are, uh, you know, they just vote the party line right. they, without reading between the lines. So, um, my, and, and you know, my, my, my wife, for example, she works for a, uh, uh they take people who are homeless. They pay their, their, their deposit, mm-hmm. they pay their, their, their next three months rent. And each week, uh, you meet with a case manager. My wife has a huge cross section of people who are homeless, um, and some of those people are working the program. They just ride it out right. until it's done and move on to right. the next program. Right. Other people shine. They well, get a better job. They early out of the program, and it, they they work it, and they leave with a savings account of you know fifteen hundred right. thousand dollars. Right, Daniel. Thank you for the call, and he makes a great point. That's one of the problems with the system today. We lump everybody into one category, and we're not delineating between the two. There are those, as Daniel indicated, who are working the system, and we all know it. And there are those who are working to get out of poverty. But we have to be able to find a way to separate those two because there's a big difference. I want to get to this Milt Friedman quickly before we go to the break. This interview, of course, was 1979. That's almost 40 years ago. Now, you fast forward to today. The city of Stockton handing out free money, not just to middle-income residents. Some cases, as we mentioned, there are programs out there where known violent residents are going to be paid if they don't murder someone. I'm not making this up. What Friedman said 40 years ago suggests that the system being rolled out in Stockton today will do far more economic harm than good. And here's why. What Michael Tubbs is doing and supporting in Stockton, according to Friedman, is so unwise. If you want to know where the masses are worse off, 
worst off. It's exactly in the kinds of societies that depart from that. So that the record of history is absolutely crystal clear that there is no alternative way so far discovered of improving the lot of the ordinary people that can hold a candle to the productive activities that are unleashed by a free enterprise system. But it seems to reward not virtue as much as ability to manipulate the system. Uh, and what does reward virtue? You think the uh, communist commissar rewards virtue? You think a Hitler rewards virtue? You think, excuse me, if you'll pardon me, do you think American presidents reward virtue? Do they choose their appointees on the basis of the virtue of the people appointed or on the basis of their political clout? Is it really true that political self-interest is nobler somehow than economic self-interest? You know, I think you're taking a lot of things for granted. And just tell me where in the world you find these angels who are going to organize society for us. What an interview. There's so much more you can find it. My name is Sam Shane. This is KFBK. The phone number 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. We'll have more on a city handing out money to residents for free on the other side of the break. Stick around. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. Phone number here is 916 916- 921-1530-1800-834-1530. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live here on KFBK. We're live until the top of the hour. Feel free to join in. I uh, want to pick up where we left off, this idea of handing out money, $500 each month to 100 different residents in Stockton. It's going to happen this fall. Good idea, bad idea. Margie from Antioch joins us right now. Hi, Margie. How are you? Hi, Peter. I'm great. How about yourself? I'm great. It's not Peter. It's Sam, though, but that's cool. You're oh, right. Sam. Yeah, that's all right. Sam I'm Shane. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm wondering why we don't just uh, change the work week from instead of 40 hours to 20 hours. That way people could work two jobs if they wanted to, but they could survive on just a 20-hour week. Well, Margie, you know what? That, that, actually, that phenomenon is actually taking place right now. The way that the, the entire employment pattern is now shifting is that there are fewer full-time jobs with full benefits, and there are many, many more part-time jobs that are available out there. So the reality is is that we're seeing more and more Americans who are working 20 and 30 hours a week without benefits, and they're working two, and, and, and working two jobs. So what you're actually suggesting is starting to take place. It's not really working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well... I know, Margie. There's no it's solution. Maybe it's, there's no solution at all. I, well, th- there's a solution, and, and the marketplace has a way of figuring it out. But, you know, look, eh, we have to find a way to, to get – I was talking to our producer about this earlier. When, when, when Henry Ford started the, you know, the, the, the production line for the, for the Model T and, and, mm-hmm. for the, and for all of the cars that he built, when he right. put people on that line, he paid them very handsome salaries. They were making a lot of money at that time for a reason, mm-hmm. because Henry Ford wanted to sell them cars, and he wanted them to have people. enough money to buy cars. And the same could mm-hmm. be true you know, if Steve Jobs did that with Apple instead of outsourcing mm-hmm. it overseas, and he built mm-hmm. those units here in the United States of America when he was alive, and now, of course, the current Apple administration could do the very same thing if they wanted to, because they're selling uh-huh. some of those phones for 1000 bucks a piece. Now, think of all of the great blue-collar jobs that could be created in the United States of America. Now, would the cost of the phone go up? It might. Or maybe the company takes a little bit less of a margin 
but realizes now that their workforce is going to have more money to go out and buy the products they make. Uh huh. So that, you know. that that would be really nice if they if they did that. Yeah. I remember though that uh, about Ford, a lot of people were really angry when Ford did that. Remember that um, that he was kind of like. Uh, the people that are making money in other industries. Are really oh yeah, because he now he's driving. Hard. Sure, of course, because he's driving up what the average salary is. But that's the free mm-hmm. market system, and so if he pays more and people go to work for him, then the guy across mm-hmm. the street who's making a different widget is going to have to pay more as well. That's the free. That's capitalism. That's what Milton Friedman talks mm-hmm. about. That's how it works. It works on both ends, not just for the supplier or the the employer, but for the employee and the builder. I mean, it's the same concept, and that's why yes. he argues it works. So. Margie, well, I listen. I sure agree that that the five hundred dollars a month isn't. Uh, it, nobody's going to be motivated no. to do anything. I'd no. like to get five hundred dollars yeah, a month. No, no, no. I mean, look. As I said, he's a twenty-seven-year-old young man who yeah. his heart's in the right place, but he just has a lack of understanding about economic, basic economic principles. So yes. Okay. Th- so. Th- thank you thank so you. much. I really appreciate the call, Margie. Good call. Thank you. Uh, yes, Bye. indeed. Okay. Bye bye. Uh, let's go to uh, Rocky, who joins us now from uh, Sacramento. And he has more on this topic. Rocky, what are your thoughts on this Saturday evening? Hey, Sam. How you doing? I'm well. How about yourself? Awesome. Hey, Good. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I have so much to say about this. I don't know how much the screener told you, but I'm a, I'm a current motivational speaker in the Sacramento area. Rocky, I can hardly hear you. Are you on a cell phone? I am. Sorry okay. about that. Yeah, I don't know if you can get a little bit better reception or something, but, I mean, you're, you're really – it's tough to hear you. Is this any better? That's a little better. Go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a local motivational speaker in the Sacramento area, and for the last six years, I shut off my, my nonprofit organization, and I began speaking to the homeless community. And uh, what an amazing, amazing opportunity. But uh, like I was telling you, screener, my father died when I was 13 years old, and immediately I developed the mentality that just because other people have more than me doesn't mean they're responsible for me. Right, but do you think that's pervasive in our society today, Rocky? Because a lot of people would argue it's not. We live in a fatherless society, and we have a lack of mentors and people that are wanting to step up to the plate and, and train and mentor these people. Well, also, Rocky, but there was a caller who called in earlier today who said, you know what, people in this country don't know what it's like to be poor, and we have people in this country who don't want to work, and it's 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 just simply a lazy factor. Well, How much do you subscribe that's, that's to that? Because of the bureaucracy. Well, yeah, I'm not going to argue the bureaucracy, but I'm just talking about the desire to work. Correct, and and we built, we developed that mentality. We allowed that, uh, and it's that. I was 26 years old when when someone finally mentored me, and I took it like a fish out of water and, and just took off yeah. with it. Yeah, um, that, that more of that needs to happen. Rocky, listen, um, you're making good points, but I'm afraid your your connection really is pretty weak, and it's hard to hear you. I appreciate the call, and uh, maybe we can try it again. Uh, we'll be back here, uh, well, not next weekend. I won't be here next Saturday, but I'll be the following Saturday. Uh, let's go to John. He's in Granite Bay right now. Uh, John, your thoughts on this idea in Stockton, California? Yeah, uh, interesting possibility of a, uh, you know, a lot of these people that are being paid not to murder people yeah. are technologically savvy. And I'm wondering what's the possibility they might hack the list that are of the people that are oh. being paid not to work. Well, look, I mean, in this day and age, who knows who's hacking whom, right? I mean... <laughs> that's almost impossible to track down these days, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you, right? You see the the horrible uh, possible coincidences in this. Well, sure, up? sure, of course. I mean, but I think that that I, look, I think that there are a number of agencies and programs and companies and people that are vulnerable every single day to that. 
I'm sorry, but I find it horrifying and amusing at the same time. I don't know what you find horrifying and amusing. <laughs> the possibilities. Well, sure, it's horrifying and amusing. I get that. Okay, well, thanks, John. Appreciate the call from uh, Granite Bay. Uh, let's go to Andrew from uh, San Jose. Andrew, how are you? Hey, good evening, Sam. So I found um, I appreciate you uh, taking my Regarding Milton Friedman, I was wondering if you were aware that Milton Friedman for a negative income tax, which is essentially the basic income in, phrased in another way. Oh, you know what, Andrew? I you, You're really breaking up, and I don't know if you're on a cell phone as well, but I heard about half I'm of I'm on that. a cell phone? I don't, I don't know if you are, um, but go. you try, try it one more time, but we, I, I couldn't hear that. No, that's not, we can't use it. Sorry, Andrew, I apologize, but you're, you're on a cell phone that has no connection, so uh, we, don't, we can't get to that. Uh, I want to get to this next story because this is very, very interesting, and this also took place this week on what was an extraordinarily busy news week, not just in the United States of America, but in Northern California as well, and here's why. This goes to all of us here in California an initiative which would reverse a law which allows immigrants who are in California illegally to obtain a driver's license has now been cleared to begin gathering signatures for the 2020 ballot. So they can now gather signatures to put this initiative on the ballot to reverse this law which allows illegal immigrants in California to have a driver's license. And it doesn't stop there. The proposal also seeks to eliminate the current sanctuary state law and end automatic voter registration practices in California. What do you think of that? 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Are they going to be able to get enough signatures? If they do, would you vote for this? The man behind it is a guy named Dan Rosenberg. He's the main proponent of the proposal. He's a staunch opponent of illegal immigration. And he believes the plan will increase public safety, it'll reduce voter fraud, and it will pre- prevent traffic fatalities. And he knows about traffic fatalities. Because Dan Rosenberg's son was hit and killed by an illegal immigrant who was driving in San Francisco. And this is what Rosenberg said in a recent interview with Fox as he described what happened. For those in California who know about his uh, folly with our bullet train, um, I wish he would get on the bullet train first, stop to hell, and he should get off and stay there. Um, he, his, his concern for criminals, be they legal or not, is outrageous and has cost the lives of many Californians. Uh, so that was actually the wrong soundbite, and I apologize for that. I wanted to play a, a different soundbite, but that was a soundbite of how he was describing Governor Jerry Brown. And he is a big critic of Governor Brown and those who in the Capitol support Brown's proposals and Brown's policies with regards to the sanctuary cities, sanctuary states. And Rosenberg has now become an outspoken advocate of this brand new initiative that would reverse the law in California, which allows illegal immigrants to have a driver's license. It would also reverse the sanctuary state law. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. What do you think of that idea? And uh, we're going to get re-cued here, and I want to do play that soundbite as to what happened with his son. So we'll have that side of the story on the other side of the break. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. 
So I wasn't really sure we were going to get everything in from this past week, and I think I'm right. <laughs> I mean, it was so full. What a week of news. Uh, I want to pick up with Don Rosenberg. This is the guy who's behind an initiative now, and he, he announced in, in April that he was going to do this, and he got the okay, he got the clearance now to start gathering signatures, the initiative to roll back this law that allows illegal immigrants living in California to have a driver's license and also gets rid of the sanctuary state title for California and so on. Uh, we just heard from him when he said that he considered Governor Jerry Brown to be what, it, these are in his words, and I quote, a terrible governor. Uh, but I do want to play this soundbite because it really gets to what motivates this man and why he is so passionate about this effort that he now is spearheading. Don Rosenberg's son hit and killed by an illegal immigrant who was on a motorcycle, driving a motorcycle in San Francisco. And this is what he said in a recent interview. He described what happened. My son was a law student in San Francisco in 2010, and he was coming home from school one afternoon, late one afternoon, and um, Roberto Gallo, an illegal alien from Honduras, uh, tried to make a last-second left-hand turn. They collided. My son was on a motorcycle. Instead of stopping, he accelerated, drove over his body. What do you think of this initiative that Rosenberg is behind, is spearheading? Is this something you would vote for? Do you think that he'll get enough signatures? Hoping to get it on the 2020 ballot, the presidential election year. Not the upcoming ballot, of course, but by 2020. Will he have enough signatures and will you vote for it? To roll back the law that would allow illegal immigrants to have a driver's license in California and get rid of the sanctuary state title, which is now in place. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. I don't know how you could possibly have missed it. Maybe you didn't see the chaos, which was the Peter Strzok hearing on Capitol Hill this week. They spent almost a half an hour in this hearing, our lawmakers, talking about parliamentary procedure and the definition of point of order. I'm not kidding. The guy sitting there being interviewed sends out texts clearly showing he has a bias against President Trump while he's investigating President Trump. And they're debating what point of order means. <laughs> Honestly. All right. Let me play a, uh, as many quick bites as I can uh, from the Peter Strzok hearing. But essentially, he was grilled at the Congressional Judiciary Committee hearing. And he spent a good portion of this hearing simply not answering questions. Surprise. And when he did speak, he repeatedly claimed that what he said in his private texts did not reflect the findings of his investigation. What is important is that these texts represent personal beliefs just like those that you'd find on my personal phone. What these texts do not represent is any act, any suggestion of an act, any, any consideration that we need to do this or not do this. How is that possible? And he repeated that line over and over again. His body language, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it. That was quite telling in and of itself. Struck repeatedly refusing to answer questions on the advice of FBI lawyers, who were sitting right behind him, by the way. They didn't want him to say too much. To the point that the chairman of the Judiciary Committee threatened to cite Struck for contempt for refusing to answer questions. Mr. Strzok, 
In a moment, we will continue with the hearing, but based on your refusal to answer the question, at the conclusion of the day, we will be recessing the hearing, and you will be subject to recall to allow the committee to consider proceeding with a contempt citation. A point of order, Mr. Chairman. Will the committee also... Well, point of order. They got back to the point of order again. That may have actually launched the 30-minute debate. I'm not really sure where that happened, but point of order was debated for a long time, a healthy debate over one parliamentary procedure. Uh, Trey Gowdy, there is no one in America, I believe, and certainly no one on Capitol Hill who was more outraged by the revelation of the Inspector General's report that top investigators in both the Justice Department and the FBI were biased against Donald Trump in their investigations, not only of Donald Trump and his campaign, but in the investigations of his opponent, Hillary Clinton. Because, you see, Trey Gowdy has, for most of his career, been a prosecutor, and he believed in the system. And initially, he refused to believe that, that this could be possible. And then when the Inspector General's report came out, he was furious. He grilled-struck about his bias and the bias among investigators who were investigating allegations against Donald Trump and his campaign. Gowdy has even referred to a constitutional crisis when he's talked about this. Here's the exchange between Gowdy and Strzok over what Strzok, over why Strzok was removed by Robert Mueller from investigating Trump when Strzok's biased texts were uncovered. And your testimony is Bob Mueller did not kick you off because of the content of your text. He kicked you off because of some appearance that he was worried about. Sure. My testimony, what you asked and what I responded to was that he kicked me off because of my bias. I'm stating to you it is not my understanding that he kicked me off because of any bias, that it was done based on the appearance. If you want to represent what you said accurately, I'm happy to answer that question, but I don't appreciate what was originally said being changed? I don't give a damn what you appreciate, Agent Strzok. I don't appreciate having an FBI agent with an unprecedented level of animus working on two major investigations during 2016. Boom. Drop the mic moment. Drop the mic moment. Gowdy. Let's go to John in Sacramento. We don't have a whole lot of time. We've got about 45 seconds, John. I apologize, but we've had so much packed into this program. What's on your mind? Uh, I just got a quick question for you. Thank you for taking my call, by the way. Yeah, you bet. Um, I would like to know, what gives the Governor Brown the right to spend $13 million giving the illegals for driver's license? Yeah, I, I don't know. And, you know, there are a lot of things. Like, for instance, the gas tax is going to be on the ballot in 2018, right, in, in the upcoming election. And the governor and the lawmakers under the dome in Sacramento decided that they were just going to go ahead and, and just pass a 12-cent-a-gallon gas tax. And they know darn well it's not popular with the voters, and they did it anyway. So it's not and unprecedented. He, and he has that right to do that without even asking anybody in California no, voters? No, they didn't. And you know no. what's going to happen? Take a guess what's going to happen in November. Oh, God. I, I mean, you know, look, voters are really upset about this. I, I've been, I mean, I've been here since March on KFBK, and I've been taking phone calls from people on the 12-cent-a-gallon gas tax since the beginning. And there's not one person who's called in and said, I think this is a great idea. Not a single one, John. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it's just absolutely insane what's absolutely going on. And by the way, your show's 22 hours too short, by the way. Hey, John, thanks. i got to get some <laughs> sleep, though. <laughs> hey, man, I really appreciate the call. It's great to hear from okay. you. All right, have a good weekend, and uh, stay cool out there. I'm not going to be here next Saturday. We are here every Saturday, but next weekend, actually, I'm going to be at the State Fair. If you want to swing by, I'm going to be 
Uh, signing my book. I got a children's book out there on baseball, if you like it. But uh, Saturday, Sunday, I'll be there at the California Authors Booth. A lot of great authors there, by the way. And they've written some tremendous stuff. So you should check it out. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Weekend Live. My name is uh, Sam Shane. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'll be back filling in over the next few weeks. And we'll be back a week from next Saturday as well. So we'll talk with you later.